Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Cam, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, great new inventory, best in pre owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. All right. Even though the Kike um, uh, Hernandez sacrifice flies in reality yesterday's play of the day, Matt picked this one. Second and goal, second in the game. There it is, caught. Touchdown, Marquise Brown. And this game is over. It belongs to the Baltimore Ravens. A furious comeback. Yep, a nice meaningless regular season win versus a playoff win that gets to the American League Championship Series. But that's what Matt picked. I mean, it just seemed to be a little one. No, I'm just kidding. It was a good. Great night for Lamar Jackson, wasn't it? Wow. Second half it was, yeah. I mean, really. I mean, but throwing the ball, I think he only had, what, five incompletions the entire game? I think he was like 36 of 41, wasn't he? That sounds about over, right. For over 400 yards. Um, so, great performance by him. And, you know, Carson Wentz played really well. What cost them in the end was Rodrigo Blankenship. He missed a field goal early. He missed an extra point, And in the last play of regulation, missed a field goal. And I don't mean he missed a 60-yard field goal. He missed a medium-range field goal. He's got to work on the specs, too. He's always worn those. (laughs) It's just not a good look. Especially when you miss the game winner that badly. You know, when he was at Georgia, that's what he wore. Oh, that I didn't know. Yeah. Okay, then. I'm just telling you. This is unreal. People are scary. Um, but, yeah, that's, uh, you know, these are your people. It's, uh, it's amazing. You, you call for all these people to be fired, and there's there's a guy sitting in the corner office. Are you just afraid on the air to declare it? No, there, there's sometimes where uh, those calls are warranted. No. <laughs> sometimes. I'm just kidding. We don't want him. Yeah, no. We don't want him fired. No, no, because no, I mean, no, we fire him. Who are we going to talk about? All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Get the lingerie on the deck. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. 
S U I T. That spells I mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> hey, come on. I mean, there are many shows in America where we're, we're employing the color analyst on the Friday night high school football broadcast to talk more. <laughs> Please help. He's as pure <laughs> as mother's milk. Now, the chief may be. <laughs> hey, that was meant for the chief. Dave, Dave Ritchie is as good a guy as you ever want to meet on the planet. And you know what that means about our Friday night broadcast? Balance. <laughs> Soon, I'm just kidding. The jokes are cheap and easy. All right. So the uh, the Astros are up what five to one now in their game. Yeah, it looks like we're heading to the kiss of death ALCS for me. A five to one in the bottom of the fourth. I mean, the White Sox are at home; they still have time. But McCullers is out to a good start. But we're getting into that time of the year where, oh, well, you know. I realize in the regular season, you can afford more patience. This time of the year, less patience. But I am really taken aback at how quickly... No, that's it, we're done. And I think it's actually costing teams. Um, you're hearing all this stuff going on here there are people that are it's a bye week so I'm getting interview requests okay so I apologize for you can hear all the stuff coming in um uh, two of them were from the uh, Danville police I, uh, something about Ward 4 don't know no but those are different interviews sorry oh my almighty <laughs> I'll be getting a text from Doug any moment here um, but the uh, um, let's take the Brewers and the Braves yesterday. Great Council is supposed to be held up as you know this great manager, and he is a really good manager. I mean, I mean, he's not Sparky Anderson, but I mean, but he's good. All right, and he's going through five innings that's scoreless, and his pitcher to this point is unhittable. They get second and third, and the pitcher spot was due up in the top of the sixth, and he pinch hit for him. I'm like, okay, why? And so he pinch hits. The pinch hitter, of course, does nothing. I know you're shocked. And then he brings a guy, I think, Hauser, he brings out of the bullpen, who had given up a home run to, was it Darno or Swanson earlier in the series? And they get a couple of guys on, and guess what? He faces the same guy again, and he has a home run. It's 3 nothing. Final was 3 nothing. Like, what are you doing? I see moves made with pitchers that just baffle me. McHugh. 
who is, I know he struggled with the Red Sox. I know he has. But he throws 18 pitches, two innings last night. And you're like, I oh, mate, you know. Now, if you don't want him to go through the second time of the order, I got it. Especially if the guy's a bullpen guy. I got it. Now takes him out, brings the other guy in. Guy that started game one. Goes out there, they get five runs off of him. Holy mackerel. I mean, today, Rodon is out there and gives up two runs, and they yanked him right away in the third inning. Boom, done. Brought Kopech in to replace him. Does anybody manage anymore with instinct? No. And no, no offense. I I don't want to hear the front office. Well, the front office has a lot of say. What you tell the front office? I'm the manager. You're the front office. You don't like how I manage? Get rid of me. Seriously, that's exactly what I'd say to him. You don't like how I manage? Get rid of me. I mean, I may not like your personnel moves. But your management, and I can't say that. You don't like how I manage? Get rid of me. But don't tell me how to do the job. Don't tell me. Do you think Houston's telling Dusty Baker how to manage? Do you think Chicago's telling Tony La Russa how to manage? I mean, I don't think the Dodgers are telling Dave Roberts how to manage. And they're sure as heck not telling Alex Cora how to manage because Cora manages a little bit differently. But it's I, I see things now. I sit back and go. I know it's not. The, I know it's the postseason, not the regular season. So you make your little you know antsy. But you just can't make a move to say he gave up two runs, so I made a move. See, I did something. Sometimes doing nothing is doing something. And, well, it's the third time through the order. Third time through the order, if they can't hit you, they can't hit you. It's your day. I mean, there's got to be a little more. And by the way, the Yankees apparently are leaning toward bringing your guy Boone back. Yeah, I saw that. Like I said, I don't think he's a great manager, but he wasn't the main problem. However, from this latest report today from Buster Only, that apparently people behind the scenes were complaining about him in terms of him not going after his team more in the media, which is, that's whatever. But my biggest problem is people haven't liked him behind the scenes in terms of managing the pitching that we're just talking about here. So if that's the case, why are you bringing him back? So people want him to go after the team more in the media? Correct. They want... the, that would be the last thing I would do on the face of the earth. If I'm if I'm coaching or managing... They want to be I more assertive. Never, yeah, they want to be more I would assertive. Never, yeah. I would never go after my team in the media. Okay. Now, behind closed doors, if I want to push, I'll push. But in public, I got their backs. That didn't quite get, but it, but if you don't like how he's managing the bullpen, then don't bring him back. Because guess what? 90% of their fan base, including this person right here, will agree with you. 
See ya. Take care. <laughs> I can hear over the background. <laughs> yeah, it's Who's busy today around here. Who's that in the background? I'll have to go investigate. Yeah. If it's Mercy, it's fine. Okay? Uh, former Lady Lion basketball player, and I think it was a t Kelly's teammate, Tanisha Wright, was named the head coach today of the Atlanta Dream of the WNBA. Oh, I did see that, yeah. Again, it's up to me to connect all the dots here. What's going on? <laughs> all right. Played for years with, with Seattle, with the Seattle Storm. Was an assistant coach with the Las Vegas Aces and now gets to be a head coach of the Atlanta Dream of the WNBA. And Tanisha, I'm 99% I'm sure, it was Kelly Mazzani's teammate with the Lady Lions. They were like this dynamic one-two punch. Tanisha's athleticism, driving to the bucket, defender, the whole thing. And Kelly, of course, being the lights-out scorer and shooter that she was. And probably still is. I don't <laughs> Hey, let's go play horse. Oh, I lost. All right. <laughs> that was great. I enjoyed it. Um, but she was named the head coach of the Atlanta Dream today. So you want coaches to call out players in the press. I just don't think I don't think as a coach you can do that. I think you've got to be able to have your your players' backs when you're in front of the media. Then, boom, okay, clubhouse door or locker room door closes, whatever the situation is based on what it's called for your your sport. All right, now, hey, look, I want to talk to you, and I, let me t and let me tell you the uh, 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 retell the old Bart Starr story. One day in practice, Lombardi chewed everybody out. One day in practice, he chewed out Bart Starr. I mean, like, I mean, chewed him up, but good. All right. Starr asked to meet with Lombardi in his office after practice. They went in there, and the way the story goes, and I've heard Starr tell the story. He said, look, I do not mind in any way, shape, or form you yelling at me, you chewing me out, you ripping me to shreds in a film in a film session. He said, when it's us. He said, when we're behind closed doors, okay, I don't mind any of that because I'll take good hard coaching anytime. But if you want me to be the leader of the team out in the field, I don't think it's right for you to do that. Yeah, the exact phrase and, in the story and, was he should be more bluntly assessing the team to the media when the Yankees play poorly. Right. right. And Lombardi from that day forward never once yelled at Star in practice the rest of the way. Now, behind closed doors, hey, Bart, you got to do this, this, this. I don't like that. But, Bob, explain why you did that. Oh, okay, I get why you did that. Okay. But bluntly assessing the team in the media in what way? What? What? We're poorly constructed. Um, we acquired Joey Gallo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. That that didn't make sense to me. I, I'm just saying. 
No, I, I, I totally agree. That's not necessarily the best move either, especially in the New York media. I just, I just think that when you're, you are coaching or managing, and I think it's very important that you always have your teams back in public. Unless you're in a situation where, okay, what what can oh, okay, um, um, I mean, there's gonna be times where you're gonna say, "Hey, look, you made a bad play. The whole thing or the wrong read. Okay, it's something we're gonna have to work out. Whatever." But you can't be calling the team out in public. Just can't. Um. Just, just my opinion. I just think that's the way. Um. Teams teams operate, and I've been around a lot of teams in my lifetime, obviously, and up close, and obviously personal. I just don't think you know, you know, he should be more blunt. Um. You know, in the media about the team. That's just me. Matt would go out there and blast everybody. He stinks. He's awful. <laughs> we ought to trade him. Fire him. Right. Then he goes back in, into the clubhouse and everybody looks at him like, you know, yeah, when I say hit and run, we hit and run. Why don't you like go back out and tell the media that? Go, we aren't going to do it. <laughs> Just a thought. Exactly. It was just a thought. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Yeah. I like the bunt. You know, you ripped me in the media the other day. You know what? I think I'll cut away. <laughs> Man, I didn't see that sign. Did you see it? Did you see the sign he gave? I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. I got a five-year contract. What's yours? <laughs> Matt's sitting there like going, uh-oh. <laughs> Man, I should have handled that a little bit better. All right, back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. <laughs> Great to have you with us today on the show. Look forward to hearing from you. You can always give us a call. Appreciate that. And today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost warping online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. 
It's all Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street at Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Care. It's 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf Online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln, it's going to be Ford Kia Hyundai. Great new inventory, best in pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Great to have you with us on the show today. Matt, by the way, uh, can I make one quick note about Gruden for a second because I know you want everybody fired uh, but let me um, say this very quickly about that the NFL needs to take a long hard look at at the um, at the chain and they need to make sure that anybody who is an enabler is done. How about that? Perfect. Does that sound, sound fair to you? Absolutely. You know? Because um, enablers are as much of a problem as as anything. Uh, in anything. And that's something I think they need to take a long, hard look at. And that's why it goes to your point about Daniel Snyder. Was Daniel Snyder an enabler? And that may be the avenue to then go the route you're talking about. All right? All right. So let's get to uh, the uh, Steelers. Neil Kulong, sir, welcome. Great to have you with us. It's great to be here as always. Thanks for having me. Well, they win the game, but they lose Juju for the rest of the year. So, you know, obviously that that's a big blow for that wide receiver group and in terms of the dependability of the wide receiver group. Yeah, it's it's a it's a leader with experience perhaps more than anything else. Yeah. And it, it's not that they don't have some experience with that group. Obviously, they're, they're a little bit older than they were last year. But uh, Juju is the guy that reached uh, high-level statistical achievement. He's the guy who's gotten probably the most targets out of any of them throughout their career at this point. And he's the guy with the most amount of versatility. I mean, let's, let's keep in mind how unusual it is that not only did he get injured on a handoff, but it was his second carry of that game. Um, whether that speaks to the Steelers' depth at running back is another conversation. But the the fact that he was used in so many different ways in that offense, I, I think, speaks to a, a level of leadership that they don't have anymore. Now, it, it's 
it gets into a question of usage. You know, what, how were they using him? Why were they using him the way that they were? And how much of an impact was he being allowed to have on a game? I, I don't know. It really kind of seems strange. I'm not sure what happened. But um, I, I would imagine Juju is at least a little missed at uh, how the team used him uh, up until the point that he was injured and, you know, presumably out for the season. Um whether that puts him in the market to, to go elsewhere or to look for an extension uh, with the Steelers, I guess, remains to be seen. But I, I wouldn't think he'd really want to come back after the way that he was used this season. Uh, we'll find out how much uh, value he was bringing to this offense in ways that we don't measure statistically. I think we'll see that probably pretty quickly on, on Sunday uh, in terms of how they're using the receivers, what those players are doing. Um, I, I don't know. It really is just up in the air because everything surrounding Juju was such a, a, a question mark uh, up until the point that he got hurt. But at the same time, you really got to like what they did with Chase Claypool moving him inside yeah. instead of using him for a bunch of empty targets deep down the field because Ben can't help himself but throw deep on, on third and short when they have man coverage on the outside. They gave Claypool an opportunity uh, to, to you know, go fight for catchable ball down the middle of the field, and he won. Um, the, the game-winning touchdown was was Claypool on a great throw by Ben down the middle, which is an area that they really have ignored. That was a route that Claypool ran brilliantly. It was perfectly the ball was perfectly placed because Claypool was exactly where he was supposed to be. I have to kind of think that Claypool attacking that way out of the slot uh, was something they were more comfortable with as opposed to Juju doing that because he didn't get those targets. Um, it, it's it's up in the air. We'll we'll see, but I, I like to think there's some value uh, to what they're going to be able to do uh, with their offense now with Claypool inside because I think that the drop off between Claypool and James Washington outside isn't very steep, and I think you might even have an improvement uh, with Claypool inside over Juju. Right, yeah, you very well could along the way. What did you think of the uh, Harris performance along the way? I thought he had flashes of. High-level NFL running back on Sunday, and I, I've been excited for this for the last couple of games. You're waiting for him to do the things that you know that he's going to be capable of doing, but he's got to kind of learn and grow into. And the, the observation that I made in the game really was he, he cut one false step off of his cadence, his kind of his gait after getting the ball. When he cuts another one, he's going to be a really, really good NFL running back. And I, I think we, we saw glimpses of that in this game. He broke free a couple times. You saw the elusiveness along with the power. He had a couple of those runs. He was perfectly balanced. He was fast. And he's tough to bring down. Once he puts all of that together, which you know, I think every rookie running back has those problems, unless you're you know a, a complete freak like an Adrian Peterson, right. you, you are going to struggle uh, to kind of find that balance, to find the timing, the speed, the rhythm, everything uh, that goes into it. And, yes, it certainly helps that I think their offensive line uh, clearly responded to a challenge that they got put on them probably all week. I was, I was really impressed with the effort that they put forward. But Harris made opportunities for himself. It wasn't just that he had this clear lane of, of running uh, room. He made those plays happen. He bounced outside at the right time. Um, he stiff-armed people. He made people miss. He, he used his shoulder. It was, it was a very strong all-around game, and, and that's you know largely uh, the reason that they won. And at the same time, it also cost them 
uh, a pretty decent chance of losing the game because he went down with, with leg cramps, right. uh, largely on overuse. And this is a problem we've talked about it all off season. You've got Harris. What else do you have, though? You've been without McFarland uh, the whole time to this point. It's still going to be warm. Uh, you got a you got a night game, fortunately, coming up in, in Pittsburgh on Sunday. But uh, you're not out of the woods yet as far as, you know, the, the hot portion of the schedule. They're going to need to kind of work on that and find a secondary back to help take some of those carries off. They've really tried to do that the last couple weeks. But, boy, that, that's, that's not happening. <laughs> it really has right. to be Harris or Bust right now. Did we see anything that is a formula for success moving forward, or was it just one game that gave us at least some hints? I think, and this this, this kind of goes to the root of what, what Mike Tomlin means when he refers to the opponent as nameless gray faces. It doesn't matter who they were up against. If you watch the first half of that game, they executed as an offense. They looked like they were together. They were on the same page with the exception of, of two penalties. I, I don't think they made any other mistakes, really. I mean, it, it's it's not necessarily as explosive an offense as you'd like to see, but they looked fundamentally strong for the first time all year, right. by far the first time all year. They might have had one drive or one series where they did that before. They put a couple of those, those series together, and you saw the results of it. I think that that's a, a – it, it's a, a, a commendation to – all of their offense, to all of their coaching, to all of their personnel. Um, they've had multiple offensive linemen go in now. They all have a little bit of experience. I thought as, as a unit, they played above and beyond anything even close to, to what they had up to that point. And that, that's a very encouraging uh, look at a team, regardless of who they're playing. They executed the way that they needed to execute. They didn't get just beat because of mistakes. They didn't get, they, they lost some plays, but they didn't lose the majority of plays the way that they have right. been. And they, they were able to move the ball. So it, it's, it's very encouraging in that sense. And you got a full team effort out of it. To be honest with you, you know, what's really crazy, I thought Ben Roethlisberger might have played his worst game of the year. Right. He, was, he wasn't good at all. He missed a lot of opportunities. Um, you didn't notice it as much because other guys were there to pick it up. Ben, it, it, his first seven throws were to six different players. He got everybody involved. Uh, the offense was dynamic. They, they they moved around a lot. They're still doing the tackle switch thing. There's a lot of different components that are coming together now, and you can see that it, it's it's producing results because they know that they can go back to these things later on. The first scripted play series, the first 15, game, uh, 15 plays or so that they run are the ones that they draw up ahead of time. That's the ones that are really practicing. Right. For the first time, I think they won on 13 of those 15 plays. Most right. teams usually do something around that. For the first time, they, they really did that, and it was you saw it. It was poetry in motion. They actually did uh, good things with the ball when they first possessed it. It was great to see. All right. So uh, let's get to the defensive side of it. What did you see defensively in the Denver game that moving forward gives uh, people some hope? I thought uh, it, it was a, a defensive game plan that wanted to get more pressure but didn't. And the reason I think they really held Denver down, um, by and large, and they, I think this is different than, than my perspective of the offense, uh, Cam Hayward's playing at a defensive player of the year level, and he showed it in that game. He was all over the place early. It's not, not noticeable stuff, but if he wasn't there, with the, the rags, really, <laughs> pardon the right. expression, but there isn't much around him, um, let's be honest here. Uh, Chris Wormley, to his credit, is playing well, right. but they're rotating guys in and out on a hot day. 
Cam Hayward was the Iron Man out there, and he was making plays left and right that, frankly, other guys aren't making. You're not seeing a great performance right now out of T.J. Watt. I thought uh, Alex Highsmith played a good game. Melvin Ingram, is really, we haven't seen much of him lately at all. Um, their secondary is even probably more shallow than we thought that it was. They are overall playing very well. In fact, if it wasn't for a, a, a miscue by their all-pro free safety, uh, they, they probably don't get in the, in the end zone the, the mm-hmm. first half of the game. Fitzpatrick totally missed that tackle in the hole. That was bad. Um, if that, and even on top of that, they held him to a field goal. I, I don't know why I thought they scored a touchdown on that play. They were first and goal. Uh, should have been first and goal from the one. They get the penalty to knock that back a bit, and then Pittsburgh knocked him back even more to set up the field goal. So much of that is Cam Hayward right now. You're seeing him completely destroy the middle of the field. Teams don't have many options, and they're not able to throw – when the pocket is being pushed on top of them. You're, you're really seeing the value of an interior defensive lineman as well as um, the, 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 I don't want to say the overrated nature, but when people talk about protection, they talk about their tackle. Really, it should be the interior of your line. That's what's setting the pocket up. Hayward is pushing guys three yards into the backfield. The quarterback is throwing on top of a, a charging six foot five, three hundred pound player who's got his hands in the air. There's not a whole lot the quarterback can really do from from a, a, a less than eight step uh, pocket. And Hayward is causing that chaos on uh, almost a per snap basis right now. He's keeping the defense alive, and the defense mm-hmm. is not playing particularly well. That that's the unit I'm challenging right now. If I'm Mike Tomlin, right. they've got to step this up on Sunday. They have to be able to take care of business in a game that they really need to, to win if they want to have any hope of anything this season. Uh, I'm really glad that, and in going through my emails, I never once received one from John Gruden. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to sense that you've gone through your emails and you're thrilled that you never once received any from John Gruden. Uh, I'm laughing because I have gotten an email. Oh, you actually <laughs> exactly. have. I, I have. I swear there was nothing even remotely close to, to what he did. It was a, a promotional thing a long time ago, and, and he was, you know, fine. It wasn't really anything. Uh, he didn't even swear in it, which is not usual for him. But, um, wow, what a what a night. That was, that was fun to sit down to right at the start of the game. So what did you think when you heard, read, about the situation, first two words out of my mouth is he's gone. I mean, there, there's no way you can right. keep him around for that. Right. And it just, in, I'm, I'm in editor mode. I'm trying to organize what we're going to do, how we're going to do this. We've got to coordinate with this staff and these people. And and then he just quit. It's like, okay, you know what? That truly is the, the best thing of a really bad situation. And right. now, exit stage left, and we won't hear from him again if he's smart. Um, it, it, I don't think there was another way for anybody to, to handle this uh, the way that, that it ended up happening. Right. That's not saying that it's good. It's not saying that, you know, he should be commended for that. It's This could have been way, way worse, and it's still a live grenade. You know, it, it's not a, people are going to be asking. You have to think at some point of 650,000 emails, if you found these, about John Gruden in particular, and they're all tagged in with Bruce Allen. Not that we need any more evidence of Bruce Allen. I mean, my God, I, what what hasn't that guy screwed up? I mean, my my, it, it's it really isn't good to see a position in a, a, a person in that prominence of a position be a part of this many controversial activities 
And it's also really hard to think that Daniel Snyder was not a part of any of it, and that's going to be the next chapter of this. Right. I, it's, it, it's really hard for me to believe that there isn't anything with, with Snyder on it, uh, any comments that he might have made, but there's some really, really bad stuff in there, and this is not something the NFL is going to get past in, in quite a while, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it is, it's really bad stuff. There's no getting around it. I know. I mean, I read some of it on the air. You, you know, you're always trying, like, okay, just everybody knows this is exactly what it says. It's, it's awful. It's just bad. Uh, the uh, 17th game of the year actually comes into play this weekend. That's because uh, the designated opponent was the Seattle Seahawks as the 17th game. So they've got them on Sunday Night Football. Oh, and they've got Geno Smith at quarterback, not Russell Wilson. Then a bye week. Could the tumbler be falling into place for the Steelers? You know, they almost did. Um, you, you had to believe. <laughs> you had to believe when Indianapolis had the ball third and however long it was in very easy field goal range to go up by two scores with, yeah. with five minutes left. You were looking at the Steelers winning and the rest of the AFC North losing and the rest of the AFC North the next week having very tough games and the Steelers have, having a very winnable game in prime time at home. Um, it came close to that, and we're not far from that yet. But uh, I, I think Geno Smith, it, it's just funny, such a blast from the past. I mean, I almost forgot yeah. about that guy for a while. Uh, he played pretty well last week. We saw him do he some did. things. And it, as, as Mike Tomlin said today in his press conference, um, Geno's a veteran. He, he knows what's going on. He's going to know their offense. He's been with them for a bit. They can have some success with him. But playing a guy... Uh, on what's essentially a short week, even with some reps, or a, a little bit longer of a week, excuse me, even with some reps uh, from from the previous game, he's not going to have full mastery of the entire playbook. There are only so many things that they're going to be able to do. And then you get into, um, again, kind of what Tomlin alluded to a couple weeks ago when he was talking about running out of plays. You only have so many good plays that you can run. You run into that problem with your backup quarterback a lot. And the yeah. biggest example I ever saw of that was the Steelers against the Ravens in a, a Thursday night game uh, after Ben Roethlisberger got injured again in, in St. Louis uh, on Sunday. They had to play the Ravens at home on Thursday, and they had three days to prep Mike Vick to play in that game. Right. They literally ran out of plays. by they, That game went to overtime. They ran out of plays to right. a point where they – they drew up basically a swinging gate play to Antonio Brown that right. just didn't work at right. all right. in overtime on a key down. You get into that when you have a back of quarterback. So as far as the Steelers go, they have to know that Seattle's offense with Wilson, which was incredibly explosive. Uh, they were doing a great job offensively for, for what uh, the defense wasn't capable of doing. They have a big advantage in this game. They should be able to, to handle Seattle offensively and defensively in this game. So um, knowing that, and you're going to know the results of um, the, the three other teams in your division, and then you have a bye, followed by what's really going to be probably the, the Cleveland Browns midway Super Bowl right. against Pittsburgh in, in, in uh, Week 8. That's a huge game now for both teams. If, if Pittsburgh's able to pull this off, if Cleveland loses another one, and, and I can't imagine there's a tougher loss than what they just took this weekend, right. uh, the road doesn't get easier for them at all. So yeah. it could be a, a pivotal game as far as the AFC playoff picture as well as uh, the division race goes. Baltimore can't seem to put together three units of decent play. Uh, they have all the talent in the world. We saw last night and against Detroit how much it's taking for them to beat what we should think of as, as mediocre or bad teams. We don't know how good they are. Um, Cincinnati had 19 opportunities to win that game 
against Green Bay, who I don't think is a great team either, they couldn't come up with it. They might not be there yet. So Pittsburgh has a chance to, to steal a couple of these games and make the division race one of the most interesting in the NFL. It's amazing we're saying that. Because <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have thought that back in August. I know that. I don't think I would have thought that two weeks ago. All right. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, seriously. All right. My friend, thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. And it's Neil Kulong. I'm back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. 17th pitch. Meadows succumbs to a slider. Hernandez lifts one to left center field. It is pulled in by Meadows. Here comes Santana. The Red Sox on to the championship series. Joe Davis, by the way, is really good. And, by the way, is one of the really nice, low-key guys to talk to. No, seriously, yeah, Joe, he Joe Davis, he's a great, great guy to talk to. I, I loved his call of the Eagles game, too, on Sunday. Now back he's up to him, Boston. Oh, yeah, he's phenomenal. He's just really good at what he does. You happy now? <laughs> well, it's happy anyway. I didn't really care if I heard it, and I watched the game. Yeah, I was just you picked an overtime highlight of a media, meaningless regular season game. Yeah, good for you. I mean, who's, te- who's teaching you this stuff? I mean, what's next? Shickle and me getting a first down? <laughs> when it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 